0: Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast. The date is the 10th of August 2018. My name's Jeremy Medlin and thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, Just to kick things off, as always, just a a quick warning about financial advice. Everything that I say today is general or educational in nature. Um, Nothing in here is relevant to your own financial situation. And if you are looking for personalised financial advice... I do recommend that you see an authorised financial advisor who'll be able to help you. Right, so getting things, so we're going to kick things off with a listener question about market valuations. Uh, then we're going to get stuck into the Hallenstein's, Glassons trading update during the week. We're going to have a discussion about steel of steel and tube and we're going to talk about the Sky City earnings update from earlier in the week as well. And finally we'll have a chat about the update from PGG Wrightson and their asset sales along with a conversation about margin of safety and how it, how it applies to real-world investing. Now, I'd like to kick things off with a question from a good listener of ours called George Hercis. And I guess just before I say anything else, if you would like to ask any, any questions that you'd like me to address on future podcasts, then you can just send me an email to, to jeremy at au. That's jeremy, my name, at ATM. Strategy isn't strategy dot com dot AU. Now George wants to know what I think about current market valuations and I guess where we are in, in the cycle and the underlying question being is there a market correction coming up? And I guess this is something that we're all interested in when you consider that it has been, you know, nearly ten years since the last major correction. You know, there's been some big fluctuations in between that time, but since the last real serious banger it's been it's been ten years, and it's not really a, a simple question to answer, um, and it, it's a difficult one because you can. I think you can find op- opinions in either direction, and you know certainly uh, through throughout a lot of this bull market, the the general. If you had held the view that there was a correction coming up, you, you probably would have been well. You've missed out on a significant opportunity cost in terms of upside. So it's not a it's not an easy question to answer and what i always say to people is that there's been corrections in the past and there will certainly be corrections in the future but it's extremely difficult to predict when and i can guarantee that there's that there's going to be corrections in the future and i think uh, to, to sort of be blunt if you're expecting not to have to sit through some pain at at some point in the stock market you really are living in a in a in a Imaginary fairy tale type world, so I think it's it's part and parcel of being a a a stock investor to expect to sit some through some big corrections. And I guess the that the reason why it's possible for me to say that is because I do believe that over the long term you'd expect businesses to become more valuable and therefore the stock market to become more valuable. But that doesn't mean to say there's not long stretches of time where you know, you don't get much return from stocks. An example of this would have been if you would have bought the, the NASDAQ or the S&P 500 at the peak in the year 2000, it probably would have taken you another 13 years to to break even on your investment. So there can be long periods of time where you don't get a return from stocks. But I would expect over a long-term stocks to, to, to outperform many asset classes. So that doesn't really answer the question about what's going to happen with a correction. And in all honesty, it's not something I ever think too much about, um, and and the reason for that is because it's not something you can really control, as as I sort of alluded to before. So my my particular preference is to focus on the individual stocks or the individual names, and I think if you if you focus on where the individual stocks are in your portfolio, that can without realising it, you can take take care of a a lot of, you can take care of a lot of the the issues that get that caused from corrections anyway. So I always like to assess the individual stocks. Do I want to buy this at this price? Yes, no. If it's too expensive, then I, I don't really want to be dealing with it anyway. And when you look across the individual stocks, not just in the NZX, but the worldwide markets as well, some of them I look at and I think well yeah it, they are getting pretty expensive um I'll, I'll give you an example one of the I'm not going to name names of companies here because I don't want people rushing out to sell a stock just because of what I hear in the stock market but if I look at some of New Zealand's biggest companies I see some companies that are, are fantastic companies but they're trading at 50 times earnings with and there's nothing wrong with buying a company at, at 50 times earnings if you feel that the future performance or, or growth of the business can justify that valuation, but I see some companies trading at fifty times earnings that are expected to grow at between seven and twelve percent a year, and I think it's very difficult to justify those sorts of valuations. So I, I do see. I mean, one one thing's for sure is that it's not the bottom in two thousand and nine. You're not you're not walking around picking up great companies trading at seven or eight times earnings. That's for sure. So some of the valuations are pretty impressive at the moment, and a lot of businesses will have to perform pretty well in the future to justify those valuations. So I therefore think probably overall it's the stock picker's market. So I imagine what you'll see in the future is some of those stocks with the very impressive valuations will probably perform quite well as they meet or exceed their expectations. But then I imagine there will be a lot of companies that uh, uh trading impressive valuations right now that do not meet or exceed their expectations in in the future and and the share prices will suffer because of that and there's been a very public example of that recently if you turn to the United States and you look at the sort of four big tech names with amazon google facebook and and um, Netflix. Um, and you look at their earnings results recently. So um, Amazon and Google both exceeded their expectations and the shares did very well, whereas Netflix and Facebook you know, were trading on the same impressive valuations, but they, they did not meet their expectations and the stock prices were slashed quite dramatically and quite publicly. So I think it's going to be a case-by-case scenario going forward. It's certainly not a market where, where there's just it doesn't matter what you buy because prices are so cheap and, and you're probably going to do it right because prices are cheap. It's certainly not that market. I think you need to focus on the individual stocks and try to deduce what stocks are, are likely to succeed in the future and what, which ones aren't. And maybe if you, if you can't do that, then there is nothing wrong with, with waiting for a, a different type of market in the future, which there will undoubtedly be at some point where everything's so cheap that you can't, you can't really not make money. Hellenstein Glass and Holdings updated the market during the week um, with its with a, a trading and, and profit update and wow um, <laughs> this is a company that that you know was 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 trading on a ten or eleven percent dividend yield only uh, sort of a year and a half a couple of years ago. the market was clearly at that stage thought it had very i guess grim prospects um, and this is a company that that has really proved the the market wrong in my view and it was it was a fantastic update really um the the company said that for the 12 months ending first of august that sales increased 16.2 percent um which is astonishing for for a retail company in the current market to to 277 million um and and profit grew even more um so net net profit after tax they expect to be in the range of twenty seven point one and twenty seven point six million um which is an increase of about fifty eight percent on the prior year um which is which is a staggering result that's a, that is a absolutely staggering result and they've also said that the cash flow is expected to be strong in the future and they'll update the market at the end, end of September with a full profit release but you know it just shows sometimes that if if you that sometimes these these investments uh that they they can be out there if you're prepared to look for them, and if you're prepared to look past you know some some short term thinking in the market. And you know, a few years ago, it was looking pretty grim for Hellenstein's. Um, You know, you had the threat of re- online retail and and competition from chains from overseas, like H and M and Zara, coming into New Zealand's. And you know, they've they really have performed well during that time. So it'd be interesting to see what what we have going forward. A lot of news flow from Steel and Tube over the last week. Um, the company has come back to the market again for uh, another capital raise. Um, they need about 18 million dollars to essentially keep the lights on. Um, it's been a, I think all in all, you could say the the business of Steel and Tube has performed quite poorly in what has been a a bull market for construction in New Zealand. And in fairness to them, they're not the only one. You know, you, not the only ones. You list off. Uh, a bunch of other construction related names in New Zealand, you know, your Fletcher Buildings, your Metro Performance Glass, your Methvens and other related companies that haven't really been able to deal with how busy their businesses have gotten. Um, and it's especially tough for a company like Steel and Tube, which essentially sells a commodity product. If, if you think about what they do, right, selling, well, selling steel essentially, as a customer of their products, you probably don't care where you get your, where you get your steel from. You know, there might be, be some loyalty if, if you've got a good relationship with an account manager or, or whatever it might be, but generally, what you're looking for as a construction company buying steel, a product that is hidden inside the building that no one can see for the most part, is you're looking for something that meets the regulations and after it's crossed that bar you're looking for the cheapest price and that's the trouble with any commodity type business is that if it can be bought somewhere else for cheaper and especially something that's going to be hidden away from customers you're probably going to make that make that purchase because it's all margin on your job at the end of the day i think that's the real issue that companies like steel and truth have um and this is sort of a one of a series of announcements they've made recently to essentially raise money so that's I think they sold some property down in Christchurch they've gone back to their shareholders for more money now that doesn't necessarily mean that obviously the business of steel and tube is worth something um and as a value investor a savvy value investor could probably figure out what that was worth and try to buy at a discount at that I'm not saying it's at that level right now, maybe i'm not sure, but it's one of those businesses that I think just because of its nature from time to time you'll likely see these problems, so I think it's essential for investors if they're looking at this sort of company to be very careful at the at the about the price that they're buying the business for. The Auckland's casino operator, Sky City reported its Earnings during the week for the year ended June two thousand eighteen, and you know what? It's all in all, it was a pretty good result. Um, Total revenue for the year was up up seven percent, normalized to nine hundred and thirty four million, and net profit after tax was up ten point four percent to one hundred and seventy million. This this resulted in uh, earnings per share of about twenty four cents, and a final dividend distribution of ten cents a share. So. Yeah, a, a pretty good result, all in all. I, I think for a company like Sky City, the the nature of the business means that it's 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 difficult for it to expand rapidly. Um, so any result where you see, in my view, high single digit revenue growth and double digit profit growth, I think is a is a pretty good result. Um, in, in my view, Sky City what you what What you want to get from them as shareholders is the great thing about sky city is that essentially they've they've got a competitive advantage due to regulation and if you're unsure about this, maybe you should jump down to your local council and 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 try to open a casino lodge an application to open a casino and you know it, it's it's you just wouldn't be able to do it and Sky City has that advantage due to its Geographic location in the centre of Walkland, and the fact that it's essentially a monopoly, um, and they're always it, it's, as far as I can see, they're probably always going to be a, a monopoly, and un, unless the population's view on on casinos and, and gambling changes, which is is probably unlikely, um, so I think in the past, <laughs> Sky City has has made an attempt to, in in my view, reckless expansion by by buying operations in in Darwin and and places like that. You know, I I always think it would be dangerous for a casino operator to go into a new territory that they don't know anything about and buy an operation from an informed seller. Uh, I always think that, that, I mean, especially retrospectively, that's a pretty dangerous action. You know, anytime you've got an informed seller who is selling a regulated business then you, you, you know there you, you, you could be trouble and of course they did come across trouble in that area. So what you want to see from from management of a company like Sky City is for them to really focus on their knitting. Um, just do what they do well and really generate some cash. and send the rest of it back to shareholders in form of a dividend. You can't really ask for much more and if if Sky City really does stick to that mantra, I imagine as a, a shareholder as long as you don't don't pay a, a reckless amount for that cash flow, you'll probably achieve a satisfactory result over the long term. But if I guess if if, if I was offering a message to Sky City management it would be along the lines of no reckless expansion. Just having a look at the news that PGG Wrightson is is set to sell its seeds division for 421 million. Um, it seems to me that this this is quite an interesting one. Now, the the buyer is a is a Danish company, um, DLF Seeds. Um, you, you probably haven't heard of them. I, I I certainly haven't. But it's it's more interesting in the sense that it, to me this appears to be driven by the the cornerstone shareholder, um, Agraria, who who I, you know, it's been rumoured for a while that they're looking to to you know sell the company um, and I guess realise a return on their investment. Um, And Unistream, when you look at the market cap of PGG, PGW, sorry, it's got a market cap of about five hundred and twenty million. So they're selling this for four hundred and twenty one million. So it's a big part of their business. and i i would imagine what will happen is is considering yeah you know, this company's desire to 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 get rid of its 50% holding in the company in, in PGW I, I suspect that this means that they're just going that they're going to send the cash back to to shareholders um so it's a way of them it seems to me any way of of cashing out their investment by breaking up the company as opposed to as opposed to selling it in, in, in one lump sum, which suggests to me, again, for, for following on from a lot of things, but following on from this, it suggests to me that they they weren't successful in getting the price that they wanted to, to sell the whole company, so they're going to do it in stages. I mean, that, that's only my assumption, and, and we will see what happens there. Just wanted to have a, a, a quick chat about margin of safety. You hear the term chucked around a lot in, in the finance game. Um, and I guess, uh, in my view, a lot of people misinterpret margin of safety and, and what it means and, and they're usually associated with if you're investing for, looking for a margin of safety that you must be a so-called value investor, which is obviously, in, in my view, not true. Um, so margin of safety, the term was originally coined by Benjamin, Benjamin Graham in his I guess historic text, the intelligent investor and basically the easiest way to describe what a margin of safety is, is figuring out what the price of something is worth and trying to buy at a discount to that price. And the difference between the discount and what it's worth implies the margin of safety. And what Benjamin Graham used to do is, he always used to attempt to buy companies or buy shares in companies at a discount to its its net current assets and net current assets is essentially the by that he he meant cash and cash equivalents plus marketable securities and any other cash like products on the balance sheet minus minus the the debt um so that that was the original use of of the term margin of safety and then it's been i guess popularized by warren buffett now these days it's very almost impossible to buy a, a stock at a discount to its net current assets, so I think the term these days is taken on a i guess a, a different use so these days, I would say when you're when you're looking to buy at with a margin of safety, you're looking to find an investment and buy value it value its intrinsic value and then buy it at a discount to that intrinsic value, so it doesn't have to be a stock; it can be anything. An example might be a a rental property that you value at four hundred thousand dollars, and you decide, therefore, that you want a margin of safety in in what you're doing, and you 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 put an offer on at three hundred and fifty k, and therefore you've got a fifty k buffer in case everything goes wrong. Now, the great thing about buying with a good margin of safety is that it means that your valuation on the asset. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent accurate because you have a margin of safety built in, um, and a margin of safety it can be applied to a, a, a growth stock or a value stock. It, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're buying at a discount to to the intrinsic value. One way to look at it, um, I think a, a good example is if you're in an elevator. Um, or a lift and, and you're getting the lift up you'll usually see something like maximum 13 persons or 500 kg or, or, or something like that um, or 500k and 13 persons probably isn't right but whatever it is now obviously that that lift can take a lot more than 500 500 kg but they've built that that would be the margin of safety built into the lift. Um, And it's the same thing with investing. If you value a a company at at $3 per share, um, it's intrinsic value at $3 per share, and if if you can buy it at $2 per share, then you've got a a lot that can go wrong before your margin of safety is affected. Just before I go, I just wanted to give a bit of a shout-out to the Shareholders' Association. For those that don't know, the Shareholders' Association is a non-profit organisation that is a fantastic advocate for shareholders in New Zealand. They run a a series of events and presentations throughout the year. Um, They're all over the country, so there's probably one close by to you. Um, And just wanted to mention that they are running their annual AGM later this month, 19th of August, in Auckland. They've got some great keynote speakers, um, Grant Robertson, Philip Foster. They've got people from from Terra, Westpac, Sanford and Sky City coming down. They'll also be putting on lunch for the day. Now, they're offering a a special deal at the moment where it costs $160 for the day and will include a one-year membership with the organisation. So if you'd like to find out more information about this, you can just go to their website, which is www.nzshareholders.co.nz, and if you are interested in coming along for the day, just tell them that I sent you. Um, that's about all we have time for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and we look forward to look forward to next week's one. Um, and have a good week, and good luck out there in the markets.